Hey guys, welcome back to the Writer's Lens. This is Josh, JCL Felto, and welcome to the what I like to say is always the lighter side of the JCL Felto podcast experience. Uh, for those of you who are more into the nitty gritty things, you can check me out at the Narrative Wars. Uh, also available on Podbean, iTunes, and various other platforms uh, where you might be able to find podcasts. So, without further ado, I'm going to continue on this hindsight is 2020 series. Uh, my last one about the DC universe today. I'm going to be talking about the MonsterVerse, which was just concluded as of recently with Godzilla vs. Kong, which was the fourth film in the in the MonsterVerse, the shared uh, franchise of Godzilla and Kong, uh, the title characters of the latest film. Uh, let's just let's just get right into it, guys. All right, here we go. So if I had to describe uh, the latest film, Godzilla vs. Kong, in one word, in the MonsterVerse, it would probably be disappointing. If I had to describe the MonsterVerse as a whole in two words, it would be unrealized potential. And uh, to address the first thing that I said uh, about Godzilla vs. Kong being disappointing, I have a few reasons for that. And I, and I hate to start off on sort of a negative tone because I know that right now Godzilla vs. Kong, as as I'm recording this episode, uh, has been getting a lot of rave reviews online for the most part. Um, many people have been saying that it's, it's exactly what cinema has needed uh, since COVID broke out, that we have this movie about uh, a giant monkey punching a giant radioactive lizard. It's just what everyone has needed in the middle of the COVID pandemic. To which I would say, uh, I mean, if you're looking forward to a film where you turn your brain off for an hour and 50 minutes and, I guess, forget about everything that has to do with COVID, this movie does a great job of that. It's excellent at that. It's it's great fight scenes. It's great action. It definitely improves upon the gripes of the first few films in the MonsterVerse where Godzilla was rarely seen, usually obscured by darkness. Uh, in this one, he's in broad daylight in many scenes. You can see a full body shot even, which sounds weird to say, but, but it's what's what they did. Uh, and he fights Kong numerous times in this movie. So there's plenty of awesome, you know, giant ape on radioactive lizard action. Again, I, I feel strange saying these things. We're going to we have to cut out some of that, but let's just keep barreling through this. <laughs> but, but, uh, but yes, if you're into that sort of thing, and you uh, want to turn the brain off, it is a good movie for that. It's a, it's a great film for just, like I said, having brainless fun. Uh, because the plot is terrible. It's clunky. It's weird. It, it, it's loosely tied together over something, uh, which probably is going to be nitpicked apart by people in the, in the coming weeks after I think the excitement of the film uh, starts to die down. Uh, we'll see a lot of the really, really negative hypercritics out there come out and, and talk about it probably in a much more negative light, like I said. Me, unfortunately, probably being one of them. But I say it's disappointing because in hindsight, and this ties into my my other uh, assessment of the MonsterVerse in general, dealing with these four films, which uh, uh, which are Godzilla, Kong Skull Island, Godzilla King of the Monsters, and now Godzilla vs. Kong, each of these films suffers from a horrible, horrible case of unrealized potential. And typically when you come to a monster film, and this is kind of, the, I guess, the crux of my episode, when you go to see a monster movie, 
you go there to see the monsters. Everybody knows this. Like, when you went to go see the movie Alien, you went to go see it for the alien. I mean, it's uh, it's a movie about an alien monster terrorizing a group of, uh, you know, space sailors, if you will. When you went to go see the movie Predator, you probably went because you were intrigued by this strange alien, uh, you know, assassin. Uh, or maybe you just really liked Arnold Schwarzenegger at the time. I don't know. Uh, when you went to go see a film you know, like Free Willy. I mean, the, <laughs> the movie's about a giant whale that's about to get freed. Uh, probably a horrible example, uh, that last one, but you get the point. Like, when the movie is named after the beast of the film, they're the star of the show. Like, that's why you've come to see the film. However, at the end of the day, every film lives and dies by its human narrative, Period. I mean, you could have the greatest monster. You could have the greatest monster design. You could have the greatest origin story for a monster in a film. But unless you have relatable, interesting, even sympathetic human characters in your movie, it's it's going to have a hard time really connecting with people and really having staying power. Which I know sounds strange because Godzilla and Kong have had such long uh, histories in cinema. But if you look at their origin movies like King Kong from 1933, Godzilla from 1954. The movies were birthed out of some really interesting concepts. Kong specifically, sort of this you know Beauty and the Beast kind of uh, film, where Kong is the last of his kind, he's lonely, he's a bachelor on Skull Island, uh, and here he's given these you know sacrificial maidens by the indigenous peoples on Skull Island to appease him, when in reality he's just, he's lonely. He's a lonely, you know, animal or creature or whatever. And uh, most of the film is him trying to get back Anne Darrow, is trying to get her back, even after she's saved by, uh, I think Jack is his name uh, in the in the original film uh, and in the Peter Jackson remake. But uh, he's just a lonely guy. You know, he's, he's basically stalking her at that point uh, when he comes to America when they bring him over on the boat of America to to you know show him as the eighth wonder of the world, and then he breaks free, and then he goes after Anne again, and then meets his untimely death at the top of the Empire State Building. Everything that happens in this film has some deep, deeper themes to it. Uh, there's there's more than just about a giant sort of half Bigfoot, half ape creature that they find on an island somewhere that has a thirst for human blood. There's there's a there's a deeper analysis warranted from the story of King Kong. A lot going on with it. And, and at the time, it was culturally relevant, uh, considering that the world was a bit bigger at that time. Uh, you know, we, don't ha- we didn't have the internet back in the 1930s. The idea of still you know, finding islands secluded off in the Pacific was not a far-gone uh, concept. Okay? Flash forward to 1954, roughly you know, 10 years or so after the bombings of Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Godzilla is a character birthed out of the desire for nuclear proliferation and, uh, you know, prohibition, uh, the mourning process of the Japanese, of Godzilla, the character. Uh, one interesting note that I remember reading about with Godzilla is that his scaly skin on the suit, the original suit, 1954, was literally patterned after the radioactive burns on many Japanese citizens. Uh, very, very interesting tie-in there uh, that goes deeper than, again, like I said, a giant run-amuck animal that is just, you know, killing people, which tends to be, more often than not, some of the things that Hollywood 
will put out there. I mean, look at the Anaconda, uh, any of the Anaconda sequels, for instance. Uh, I guess not exactly the, the deepest stories you'll ever see. Those science fiction made-for-TV movies. I think there's like Ice Spiders is one I'm thinking of, or Mega Shark versus Super Octopus, or whatever they're called. Okay, those movies are movies again that you just turn your brain off for. They're, they're you know they're not going to win any kind of Shakespearean award. But when you look at Kong and Godzilla's origins, they have these deeper themes going on, and they have more memorable characters. You know, like Anne Darrow and Jack from King Kong. You know, from Godzilla, there was Sarazawa, the guy who invented the oxygen destroyer, who uh, takes his own life when he kills Godzilla because he's invented this super weapon. Again, uh, alluding back to the creation of the atom bomb. And now uh, it's in the hands of the Japanese. They've created this oxygen destroyer to kill Godzilla in the original 1954 film. And Sarazawa kills him, you know, basically sacrifices himself so that no one can have his weaponry, uh, that so it can never be unleashed again upon the human race. So there's these very complex ideas that deal with human experience that we find in these characters that Godzilla and Kong have carried all the way through their movie careers. And Godzilla has, has gone up and down. I mean, he, he's gone from being a force of nature to being a bad guy or a villain to being, uh, you know, the kid's best friend, guardian of the universe, and then back again to a force of nature, terrifying monster, malevolent creature, to being uh, a great guardian like he is in the most recent MonsterVerse. Kong's been relatively the same throughout. He's always sort of the, the misguided, misunderstood sort of anti-hero type. But all that being said, the humans that are involved in these stories with these sort of quote-unquote complex creatures, the only way you can really garner uh, a larger audience with these characters is to make it broader and deeper. And you do that through the human narratives. You do that through the human characters. And in the MonsterVerse, I, I think I experienced one or two characters throughout the whole thing that I, I gave two craps about if they survived to the end. And one of them died in King of the Monsters, which was Ken Watanabe's character, um, which was a throwback to Sarah Zawa from the 1954 film. His name was Sarah Zawa in this one. And uh, he died. He died in the second movie with Godzilla. Um, other than that, every other character that I've encountered in the MonsterVerse is forgettable. I mean, Godzilla versus Kong, for instance, Millie Bobby Brown's character... Madison Russell, who was also in uh, King of the Monsters, totally could have left her out of this movie, and the movie would not have changed. It, it would not have changed at all. Her her father, Mark Russell, played by Kyle Chandler, could have taken him out completely. movie wouldn't have changed. And it's things like this that, that kind of bother me in the larger scope of storytelling. Because, again, you have these two cinema icons in Godzilla and Kong, and you already know you're going to put, you know, you're going to have millions of dollars coming in for these films on the nostalgia, on just the the trademark characters alone. Why not put forth the extra effort into the plot? Why not do something bigger and deeper and cooler that could attract a larger audience? And again, that's how you would make the MonsterVerse really soar. Uh, and when I say sore, I mean S-O-A-R, not S-O-R-E, because I'm sore from from not getting the good story out of these things. Because that's what I saw consistently throughout these movies. It's it's almost as if in each of these films, the writers, directors, or the production company, whoever they were, that uh, you know, when they finally released it, 
were kind of just dipping their toes in the water and they were like, we're just, we're going to play it safe with this one. We're going to put the, you know, we're going to make some really kick butt looking designs. We've really got to pour into the CGI and make those monsters look cool. Soundtrack, we'll hire a really cool composer to do some really epic themes. Uh, and we'll get some big name actors. But as far as the plots go, as far as the story, don't worry about that as much. We just need to wow people with the visuals. Because that's why they're coming to the, to the theater, is for the visuals. So, uh, it, it, again, I come back to this, or I will come back to this over and over again. It's that, that sort of untapped potential with the characters, with the dynamics of the human uh, component, that I think have made the MonsterVerse not do as well as it could. And for me, why I say that Godzilla vs. Kong is probably the most disappointing one of them all. I, I think it suffers from probably the worst storyline out of all four of them. It suffers from probably the worst character character development out of all four of them. Uh, and the only character, like I said, that I think in this one that is even somewhat, I'm somewhat sympathetic to, is Gia. Uh, who is the deaf uh, Iwi girl that teaches Kong sign language. And I don't believe Kong ever knew sign language in any other movie, so that was kind of cool. That that was a cool thing. But even then, I mean, she's like, what, like four and a half feet tall? Kong's 350. She's literally an ant compared to him, so he must have really good eyesight. He must be farsighted in order to understand what the heck she's saying to him uh, in this version of, of Kong in the first place. But cool. I mean, it's cool that she has this relationship with him. That's cool, and I like that. Uh, it was a break from the norm from him just chasing around a you know a human female or a, an adult female in these movies and you know playing uh, playing this part of hey just just please be with me I'm lonely that was cool but everything else though just kind of jumbled together I mean there was the Hollow Earth uh, mythology that had been introduced in the first film in Godzilla and was slowly unveiled throughout the other movies until finally being fully unveiled in this one and even then it was still confusing as all get out. Every single film seemed to create more questions than actually give answers. And that frustrated me. And that frustrated me a lot as a, as a fan. Uh, because those are the things that the fans really want to chew on. And I think the casual audience member can be wowed by if you do it right. Uh, I mean, even the other titans, the other monsters that were promised in numerous other media hardly any of them even get any screen time in any of these films. Another, you know, negative as far as I'm concerned. Uh, uh, you know, and, uh, and I know I'm kind of jumping around here, but, to, you know, to get back to the, the human component of it, they've got to be memorable, and you've got to care about them in some regard because they're the ones that are ultimately going to carry the story. They're the ones that are going to bring you to each of the acts of the film. They're the ones that are ultimately going to be the ones that that drive home the sort of the talking points that are going to be following the monsters around. And you got to like them. And in some cases, you got to hate them too. I mean, there were, uh, there were noticeably a lack of really good human villains throughout this, these four films. I think the last movie, Godzilla vs. Kong, tried to create a really viable villain in this one in the form of, I think, uh, the leader of Apex, which was Walter Simmons and then his, his daughter, Maya. Uh, they tried to create a good human villain in this one, which they pulled off somewhat. But again, by this point, four films in, I don't care because he's just now showing himself in this movie. Why should I care about him? What if he'd been introduced earlier? What if he'd been introduced in earlier films? Then I would have cared. By then, I would have actually cared about him and known that this was kind of all the lead up to this moment where he builds this Mechagodzilla 
and now I'm excited to see what happens. But instead, he's thrown in at the last minute in this one. And I, again, the fact that he was killed by Mecha Godzilla, I don't care. I, I, I just don't care. <laughs> I don't care about him. And I know that separates a lot of people. Oh, I'm not here to watch the humans, Josh. I don't care. I'm only here to listen to the monsters. Okay, that's fine. But if you want the MonsterVerse to continue, if you want it to do well, then you have to have better plots. You have to have better stories. Um, and this is where I kind of put my, maybe my snooty foot in the ground, if you will. My upturned nose and glasses I'll push up on my face. It's the reason why we get countless Transformer sequels that make no sense. Is because I think a lot of audiences have just really gotten used to it and numb to the fact that we have no good plots out there. We just have great visuals. I mean, every Transformers film that I've seen ever since the first one has gotten progressively worse in terms of plot, in terms of just the human characters, the human element. Not really sure what's going on in those. And the first one was fantastic. Good plot, good ideas, good storyline. Everything else after that, not really sure what's going on. Not really sure what's going on, guys. Uh, and I feel like the MonsterVerse, for whatever reason, really suffered from a similar fate, is that we know the visuals are going to be great. We're going to pump a lot into that. We're going to pump a lot into the design, the concept art, which rightfully so, they should. The monsters should look cool, and they do. They look fantastic. The the 8-year-old in me is excited. The 36-year-old in me is also excited to see them. But what about the plot, guys? What about the characters? What about everything else? That should also be up to par as well. And in, and uh, it's a shame that it doesn't get the same kind of treatment that the title characters are getting. Because, again, like I said before, just because you go to the Alien movie to see Alien, you still need good characters. Case in point, Sigourney uh, Weaver's Ripley character, who virtually makes that film. Her struggle to get uh, out alive. You actually want her to survive. You want to see her get through this thing. You don't want her to die at the end of the film. Just like you want Arnold Schwarzenegger to beat the Predator at the end of the film. You care about this character by the end of that movie. Uh, in this case, I want the same thing for some of the other characters in these films. I want them to also survive to the end. Uh, but, but again, a lot of ideas introduced. Kong and Godzilla, the Godzilla vs. Kong film introduced... A throne room, uh, an ancient battle between or between Godzilla and Kong. Again, no idea where they were going with any of that. It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, tons of ambiguous moments. Uh, King of the Monsters did the same thing. Godzilla had a lair or a temple built for him, apparently. Then they nuke the crap out of it. We'll never know what that was about. Again, I, <laughs> I just I don't know what else to say. It's like, why were these ideas left on the cutting room uh, floor? I don't know, and there was such an opportunity to build it out, to make it bigger, to make it deeper, to bring in more of the casual audience members and wow them, and they just did not do it. They just did not pull that off. So I'm all for seeing more monster films. I'm all for seeing more movies with uh, Godzilla and Kong in them. I know there's been sort of a hashtag, continue the monsterverse that I've seen on Instagram as of late, but if it's just going to be more of the same like this, I, I don't want to support it. I really don't. I know that probably sounds weird. I, I've, I've been ranting and raving about how I'm a monster movie fan for the last 20 minutes or so in this episode. But I don't want to support something if it's going to seem like a half-hearted effort. I don't want that to happen. And I'm not saying that the people who make it are half-hearted and they're, they're not trying their best to make a good film. I know there's tons of pressure on these folks to make a good movie and to make a good film. But as a, you know, as a fan, as an audience member watching these, 
uh, I just am curious as to why some so much of that gets neglected. Um, and it's unfortunate that it is the case. So uh, one last thing I, I do want to mention about these movies and the MonsterVerse uh, is that one of the really great things about monster films and why they can be such great moments in such a thing as the middle of a pandemic is that a film about a giant ape fighting a giant uh, mutated Komodo dragon, if you will, or however you want to describe Godzilla, is that it doesn't involve a lot of political agenda. There aren't really these major societal ills being baked in that can be rather polarizing. Um, I did mention the deeper themes, the, 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 the larger concepts that can be at play uh, with these characters, which can most certainly be explored. But in an era where we see a lot of entertainment being in, uh, infused with uh, you know, sort of social calls or calls to action or you know, ideologies being kind of baked in, a good old-fashioned beat-em-up, sock-em-up film about monster films tends to be less polarizing, which is a good thing for culture at large because it's something we can all kind of rally around and say, hey, wasn't that wasn't that cool to see Kong punch Godzilla and then Godzilla punch him back and explosions and all this kind of stuff? It can kind of bring us back to a little more middle ground in terms of what is entertaining for us because, it, again, it's a, it's a giant monkey punching a giant lizard. It's, it's, it's fun in that regard, but... I'm not going to give up on what I said earlier about expanding the mythos, expanding the story, trying to make it more accessible for a larger audience, while at the same time not trying to infuse it, uh, you know, with too many, you know, other agendas that we that we've been hearing so much about that surrounds Hollywood, that surrounds the entertainment industry, which is good on the whole, I think, uh, for bringing people more so together over uh, a film, even if it is, like I said, about a giant radioactive monster and a giant radioactive Sasquatch. So, and I, I know I'll, I'll draw the ire of many monster films or film uh, aficionados who say that Kong is not a radioactive ape. Uh, okay, guys, I, I, know. <laughs> I, I know. He's not, but you, you get the idea. So, uh, so that's my last point on that. And um, all things considered, I, I hope that if the MonsterVerse does continue, that it moves forward with more of an emphasis on lore, on human de uh, character development, uh, and doing more of the same with the monsters. You know, more fight scenes, more in, you know, inventive ideas with them, more innovative ideas about how they can fight and why they would fight. Uh, but the characters themselves, the human characters, they have to be more likable. Uh, they have to be more interesting. The plots have to move together uh, or come together better than what they have been, uh, or else uh, I just I see more of a slow death, I guess, coming. So anyway, that's all I got for this episode on the MonsterVerse, and the hindsight is 2020. Hope you enjoyed this. As always, comments, concerns, uh, hit me up uh, via email or comment. Uh, love to hear from you guys. I know that these episodes aren't coming out as quickly as they used to be, um, but uh, yeah, I'm a busy guy just like anybody else. But I, again... Appreciate all the support. Appreciate you checking in. And I will catch up with you guys again soon. Until then, stay safe. I'm JCL Felto for the Writer's Lens.